You're listening to the cycling podcast Femina, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Well, welcome everybody to the first of what is going to be actually a flurry of cycling podcast Feminan shows. We're going to be looking, well, today we're going to be looking both ahead and behind at the World Championships. I'm making this sound much more confusing than it is, so I'm glad that I've got my wonderful co-host with me to try and decipher uh, everything that we're going to be talking about today. I am, of course, joined by the wonderful Orla Shenoui. Hello, hello. And the fabulous Richard Moore. Hello there. And uh, Richard, you've actually been at the World Champs, haven't you? Just back, Rose. Yeah, I got back last night from uh, a flying visit to Bruges. I'm heading back at the end of the week for the road races, but the the time trials were over the, the first couple of days. The women's was yesterday. We're speaking on Tuesday, so we'll be talking about that, won't we, um, in the first part of today's episode. Richard, feed the Flanders FOMO. I want to know how amazing it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm uh, yeah. in pain not being there. I know, and Bruges is very, very similar to Amsterdam, mm, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, as, yeah, a, yeah. as a city. So pretty. Um, canals yeah like a little venice and it's it, it was beautiful and very very vibrant and lively has to be said um i think the the crowds have been have been fantastic the, you know they were this was this was seen as the flanders cycling opening up again wasn't it after a couple of years behind closed doors um and and i made the point in the regular podcast about just how how much of a spectator sport cycling is in in flanders so it's been i think very important for the event to to be able to have fans by the roadside and the crowds were enormous for the the men's and the women's time trials and quite international there were you know a, a few flags from other countries as well so i think we'll see more of that at the weekend and a really great atmosphere um yeah i thoroughly enjoyed the first couple of days and and it's only going to intensify i think over the the course of the week towards the weekend did you make it to any of the little chocolate shops yeah i was gonna say beers and frites is actually what i was gonna put richard down oh for yeah instead. chocolate i didn't have any frites but i i did have um, maybe a couple of beers <laughs> <laughs> it's always a professional outfit here on the cycling podcast <laughs> yeah um no there's there's a fan you know fan zone and um a, a stage set up with music in the evening what and did you dance Oh, of course I danced a lot. I've um, seen no. your, I've seen your, what do you call it? Oh my God, I've got a mind blank. What's that Michael Jackson move? Thriller. Moonwalk. Moonwalk. Oh, Moonwalk, yeah. I oh, know he doesn't do a yeah, thriller, I'd like to see that. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen Richard's Moonwalk. No, I didn't. Which is... I didn't Moonwalk. No. I didn't Moonwalk, oh. Orla. I'll save that for the road races, oh, I, I think. I can't wait. Will you, will you do a little vlog for us? Well, you know, now you've planted that <laughs> idea in my head. No. Oh, this man's the new vlog star. He's got. We've got to be expecting it. The crowd. That's what the crowd wants. And you'll be creating Flanders from home, Orla. I guess you'll be doing um, uh, chocolate in, from and... Bath. Actually, ah. I'm off to. I am covering the road races this weekend, but I'm doing it from the Eurosport GCN studios in the UK. From the Bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not from the Bath. That might be a bit, <laughs> a bit odd. No, we've got a studio in Bath. Um, so I get to fly over Flanders to go and cover. But yeah, the you're UK, actually going further away. That's true. Actually. I know. Running I know, away but from still, it. I'm very, very, very excited about watching it, though. So at least I get to be involved in some way. Well, as you're as you're flying over, Orla, look out for me moonwalking <laughs> um, with a beer in hand. Look out for the white, the one white glove. <laughs> uh, 
But Rose, we um, maybe it's a good point as well to talk about or to mention the the plans that you have for the for oh, the women's yeah. tour yes. as well. Yes, I know. So I'm I'm doing uh, hitting the road in oh, a few weeks' time. It's coming up very very thick and fast. Just after Paris Roubaix, it's going to be the women's tour, and I'm hitting the road, but not with my normal co-presenters, which is. Aww. A shock and a shame. It's a very makeshift. It's a very makeshift lineup. Oh, I'm not. It? I can't. I'm not going to make any comments <laughs> <laughs> that might come back to bite me. But yes, I'll be uh, joined by Lizzie Banks, uh, which obviously people know from well, well, one from being just a badass uh, racer, but also from being on Service Course on the Cycling Podcast, and of course Lionel Burney will be coming with us. That's so a I think- really exciting lineup. It is, and I think, uh, yeah, so we'll have to see. It's a dynamic and never-been-done-before dynamic, so we'll have to see how that... But I think Lionel's a little bit scared already, but... um I think he should be, to be fair, if he's listening, Lionel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but before all of that, obviously we've got today's episode, and we're going to have another episode next week talking about the road race and uh, all the... Well, I hope it's exciting. If it's not exciting, we'll say it's not exciting, as we always do. We'll still talk about it. But we'll still talk about it, so you've still got something to listen to. But coming up today, we've got... um, Talking about the time trial from the World Champs, which was won in spectacular fashion by Ellen Van Dyke. Uh, and Richard was there, as we said, so you got we're going to hear from the press conference there. We're going to hear from Joss Loudon, who had a great top ten finish. We're going to look forward to the road race... And we're going to talk about the Ceratazit uh, by Love Welter uh, race, which we can barely um, remember anymore. Which was, but if you say it was won by Annemiek van Floyten, that's you've got a good high pro- probability that it was won by Annemiek van Floyten. <laughs> so if that's the only thing we can remember, that's probably true. Uh, we'll be talking about that at the end because Richard was there as well, jet setting Richard. But before all that, uh, we're going to hear from Orla and her news roundup. We are indeed, once I can find it on my notes. Yes, we're going to start in chronological order, beginning with the six-day Simac Ladies' Chair, which is won by Chantal Vandenbroek-Black with Marlon Risser in second and Ellen Van Dyke rounding out the podium. It was a rare stage race win for um, Vandenbroek-Black, who usually excels in the one-day races with Strada Bianchi and Dvar's Dorhit Hageland, her other two wins this year. Um, the GP de Plouet was won by Elisa Longoborghini. That's her first race since winning bronze in Tokyo with Arkea Samsix Gladys Verhulst finishing in second and Kristen Faulkner continuing her excellent second season with a third place finish for Team Tibco Silicon Valley Bank. I, I always forget the bank on the end of that team. Anyway, it's there. Um, the Ceratizit Challenge was up next and as Rose said, Annemiek van Vleuten won two stages and the overall ahead of Marlon Rooster once again and Elise Shabby with Rooster in the middle of an excellent run of form to take the opening stage and Lotte Kopecky taking the final stage. Next up then, we had the Europeans, and her name is back again, Marlon Rooster, the new time trial champion, ahead of Ellen Van Dyke, remember that finishing order, and Lisa Brenauer um, in third, and Ellen Van Dyke switching things around for the road race, winning ahead of Rooster with Annemiek van Vleuten in third. Now, interestingly, that finishing order at the European road race was exactly the finishing order of the World Time Trial Championships. Van Dyke, Rooster, and Olympic champion Van Vleuten in third. 
Um, we'll get more reaction from this in just a moment. But uh, Van Dyke's reaction herself was just beautiful yesterday. Really emotional after winning from the hot seat. She was in there, that hot seat for about an hour, wasn't she? Um, she'll wear the rainbow jersey eight years after first winning the World Time Trial. She's never finished outside the top seven at the Worlds over the past decade, believe it or not. She's won silver once, twice bronze, and now this her second gold. Um, a special mention at the Time Trial Worlds has to go to Olympic road race champ- champion Anna Kiesenhofer, who finished 17th after scrambling for a spare part on Instagram the night before, remarkably enough. She mi- admitted to you, Richard, amongst other people, that she wasn't mentally prepared for the race after searching for a replacement fork. Um Quite bizarre. And a word for Amber Nieben as well, who not only finished fourth at an age when she's closer to 50 than 40, and 40 itself would be impressive enough, but the 46-year-old only fractured her pelvis five weeks ago. Remarkable. In other news, Georgia Bronzini is joining Live Racing as sports director in 2022 after three years with Trek Segafredo. The former world champion steps in after Lars Bohm left for SD Works. And we'll also take on former Dutch pro cyclist Wim Strudinger as sports director and performance manager as part of a revamped, revamped rather, sports management team at Liv. Um, Canyon Schram has signed a two-year contract with uh, Paulina Ruyakers and Shari Bossett with uh, Ruyakers added to the team from Liv Racing at the request of Cassia Neviadoma, apparently. Um, and Joss Lydon has announced she is going for the world R record. The British Drops Lacall rider will be attempting to officially break the record set by Vittoria Bussi of three years ago at the Velodrome Suisse on September the 30th after she smashed the previous record in training earlier this year. And we've just had news in as we started to record of uh, the new lineup for Team Cofidis of next year, which will include Clara Koppenberg, Rachel Nalen, which I was really surprised by because she's only joined Park Hotel for half a season. I think that's a great move for her. And Pernil Matheson as well. Um, So that is there. But they've got the full lineup. You can find that on their website. Um, But that's it for the news roundup. It feels like we're right in the eye of the storm. We're taking a brief pause to look back because there's so much to come over the next week. Um, Two weeks, as you said, Rose will be spinning in circles. That's it for now. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat or drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimise your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights and personalised analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Thank you very much indeed to our title sponsor, Super Sapiens. They sponsor all the cycling podcast shows, including the cycling podcast Femina and some exciting news from Super Sapiens. They have just launched their first wearable device. The Super Sapiens Energy Band is the first and only wearable that can display real-time glucose data directly from Abbott's Libra Sense Glucose Sport Biosensor. It's the only way to get minute-by-minute glucose data without needing a phone within Bluetooth range. It's designed for athletes and the Energy Band can be worn on the wrist or attached to the bike and it syncs with the biosensor via Bluetooth to show uh, your glucose levels as you as you train the super sapiens energy band is available now at supersapiens.com for 159 euros now as you said earlier rose i was at the world championships in Bruges, the time trials um over the opening weekend 
And at the end of the women's time trial, won by Ellen Van Dyke, ahead of Marlon Russo and Annemiek van Vluten, the three of them gave a press conference, and it was quite a lively affair. Let's hear some of the highlights from it now. Yeah, uh, I feel super, super happy. And uh, yeah, it feels like a, like a dream uh, has come true. And um, yeah, I, I knew I was in good form, but I also knew uh, Marlene Reusje was in, is in great shape and also Annemiek, of course, Olympic champion. So I knew it was going to be a very hard battle and I uh, had to um, do something better than the last two weeks. So uh, yeah, somehow I managed it and yeah, it's quite unbelievable for me uh, still that it, uh, that it worked out. Um, because I started one hour earlier than, uh, than uh, Marlene and Annemiek and I saw the start list and I wasn't so happy with that also because I was looking at the wind and it seemed like the wind was getting stronger and we had a tailwind. So I thought it's not so great to start earlier. Uh, but at the same time, I never want to hear intermediate times. I don't want to focus on anything else than myself. So uh, in, in that way, it didn't matter for me. And I knew I just had to write my own, uh, own time trial. Uh, and I knew I had to uh, completely die at the finish. Like I, I just thought like I have to think like the world will end at the finish because uh, yeah, I just wanted to give everything in this time trial. Yeah, and I think I did. Um, I mean, I couldn't go faster, but yeah, I'm always uh, pretty critical on myself. So I always think, ah, maybe I could have done more, but it, it, was, uh, it was for sure it was enough. And uh, then, yeah, uh, my boyfriend told me, yeah, it's, uh, it's, you did a great job. And I was like, yeah, you always say that. So, yeah, I mean, it's nice, but uh, yeah, I don't know really what it's worth. So I knew it was, a, it was a good time trial, but I also knew I had good time trials in the past two weeks and then Marlene would still beat me by quite a big gap so um, yeah I, I never uh, thought it, I thought it could be enough for the win but I, I really wasn't I uh, wasn't uh, sure about that so yeah the, the, the hour afterwards was just uh, nerve-wracking and when I saw she was three seconds faster uh, in the intermediate times I thought yeah I mean she's better the last two weeks so it's no surprise but I was also still hoping, of course, because it was only three seconds. And then, uh, yeah, the finish was just, uh, yeah, for me, such an emotional moment because then all of a sudden I realized uh, I was going to make it. At least on the week still had to finish, but yeah, that wasn't such uh, She was already a bit behind, so um, yeah, it, it was just quite incredible. Oh, yeah, and I really want to enjoy this one. That was the other question. Um, because, yeah, indeed, uh, after 2013, I just put a lot of pressure on myself and I thought now I have to show in every race that I'm the world champion and I need to keep this level and I, yeah, all these kind of things. Um, I, I couldn't even bear the jersey in training because I always thought, oh, then uh, people look at me like, oh, she's a world champion and now, I don't know, I just felt so, I put so much pressure on myself and that's just a shame, so... Um, yeah, I, uh, I, will, I really said to myself, if I ever win it again, I will do it differently. So I for sure will now. Track with Sega Freda will be on my jersey, but uh, yeah, I will wear different jerseys, yeah. So I better uh, buy some good white washing powder, I think, because it will be hard to clean everything. But uh, yeah, it's very special. I mean, uh, yeah, it, yeah, somebody told me, like, uh, if, if we told you two weeks ago you would be European champion on the road and world champion in Zandro, now would you believe it? No, for sure not. So uh, I knew this was, I mean, this was always a big goal of me this time of the year to be super good here, especially after I couldn't ride the Olympics, which of course was a big disappointment. Uh, and also my, my spring classics didn't work out because I, uh, 
I got the coronavirus and then I thought, okay, from now on everything is, uh, is focused on the end of the year. Yeah, and somehow I just came into a great flow now and uh, yeah, and it all uh, uh, goes like it's uh, going uh, by itself. <laughs> Marlene Reusser, congratulations on winning the silver medal. It's a special day for you, your birthday. You reached out for the gold medal, the perfect gift, but ended up with the silver. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it was also really a big dream of mine uh, to win today. As you say, it's my 30th birthday. It was just, actually it was the biggest goal of my season. So I have to say, I'm really disappointed. It's really bitter for me, but to see um, that Ellen won and she's so happy makes it a little bit better, but I'm disappointed. <laughs> Uh, hello, Dan de Ridder from uh, Nu.nl. I'll ask a question for Annemiek then. <laughs> Sorry, Annemiek. <laughs> um, last week, uh, you said after Ellen won the European title, you were so happy for her because she also always worked so hard for you also. Um, do you feel the same way today or is it a bit different now because you, she beat you? And can you tell me how your race went and was it just too much, too flat for you? Um, yeah, I think Ellen is a deserved uh, champion on this course. It was not really my uh, course and I, I'm happy with my performance today because I had a really good, yeah, good performance for myself, a really good power. I was really happy with my ride, but just too stronger today on this course. And then, yeah, if you pass the finish and you hear your third and then Ellen has won, it's for sure it's super nice because, uh, yeah, she really works hard for it. She's a really professional, a really good uh, colleague, also always really uh, professional and uh, you can always count on her. And then, um, yeah, I know how hard she works for it, so I was happy for her to hear to, that she got it back. And I know how nice it is to wear the jersey, so, uh, yeah, it will look good on Ellen uh, next year in the time trials. Thank you. Well, it was great to hear there from Ellen Van Dyke. Um, a, quite a spectacular performance. She averaged over 50 kilometres per hour to take that title. But actually, even Marlon Reuter actually averaged over 50 kilometres per hour to get her second place. But it's been a bit of a battle all season between those two, hasn't it, Richard? It's It's been interesting to see uh, the winds go either way and then Ellen van Dyke kind of take it on this this bigger occasion. She was very disappointed uh, yesterday after the finish. I mean, it was her 30th birthday yesterday and this was the one she'd really been aiming for. You know, she's a silver medalist at the Olympic Games, uh, winner of the European title. But this was the one that she really fancied, I think, e even more than the Olympics in a way because you get to wear the rainbow jersey. And I, I think that the prestige that comes with being world champion is is um, is sort of a unique thing in cycling. And she really, really wanted it. And she went through the first time check quickest, didn't she? Ellen Van Dyke had been in the hot seat a long, long time. And it was a, a certainly a nervous wait for her while Rouser was out on her ride because um, her, her lead looked under considerable threat. But like in the men's time trial, it was, it, it rewarded the rider who, seemed to um not start slowly but but control the ride over over the the course of it and and certainly finished very strongly as van dyke did whereas rouser faded a little bit and um yeah van dyke the winner and you know there were a few interesting things because she was reminded that when she won the world title before she'd said afterwards that she didn't really enjoy it um and she looks back on that with some regret and even she said she felt you know that 
every time she wore the the rainbow jersey, she felt an awful lot of pressure, and that she didn't wear it training because I, I, she didn't say she felt self conscious, but I, I imagine she felt like she was riding around with a big target on her back, and she couldn't really handle that at the time. Whereas now, I think she's going to have a, a very different attitude towards it and try and enjoy um, the, the the opportunities to wear it over the coming year. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, Rouser, I'd say very disappointed. Um, Annemiek van Vluten, very gracious and very happy for Van Dijk to, to win and become the the title holder. So it was a an entertaining race, though. Yeah, I think with Van Dijk, the kind of the pressure's off a little bit. I think when she won last time in Florence in 2013, she, you know, she was kind of the person to be in and has been the the a bit like in men's uh, racing when they have uh, like Tony Martin you know every time he turns up at a time trial people are looking were looking at to him to to win it so um, I think that's kind of the same with Ellen van Dijk and I think the pressure was off she had Covid the beginning of the season which kind of uh, put paid to most of her plans she had a really long recovery and was only kind of just coming back into her numbers this month Um, but also I think she's actually said that she's planning to uh, retire soon and and start a family so I think um, this is an even bigger win for her because it would have been one of the few opportunities she had left uh, to be able to win this title and also to to be able to spend a year wearing those uh, rainbow stripes and actually enjoying them. She wasn't the favourite this time around and I think Mm. that makes a big difference as well and um, it feels quite remarkable, really, that, that Rouser was the favourite. I think that's just fairly recently, really, after the Europeans. But to listen to Ellen van Dyke yesterday, it sounded like she didn't believe that she was going to, to beat Rouser and, and she expected to be unseated from that hot seat, um, given the fact that, that Rouser has been so strong over the course of the season. And I think that just makes a big difference, doesn't it? And eight years of um, experience as well and all the highs and lows that come with that mean that you come to appreciate what it is that you've achieved all the more. Um, but I did like how honest Rouser was about being so disappointed. You know, that was her first reaction whenever she was asked, she says, I'm bitterly disappointed. She didn't feel a need to sugarcoat that. And I think that that's really refreshing, actually, um, given the huge success that she's had this season and given that many of us at the start of the year wouldn't have expected her to have done quite as well as she has done. Um, she's not content with that, you know, and she is still fairly new to this level. So it bodes well for her for the future um, but yeah it was really exciting really exciting when you think that Annemiek van Vleuten the Olympic champion finished only in third I'm doing air quotes here but um, but yeah it was it was a wonderful result and, and none of it necessarily expected which is all the better Well it was expected by you I think Rose wasn't it you tipped out oh, van Dijk. I wish I, I know someone on Twitter said that I had said that but it wasn't actually it was, it was on uh, the last episode of the bunny hop uh, that we filmed and that was actually Hayley Simmons who obviously knows a thing or two about time trialing, she had said that she that Ellen Van Dyke was her just number one uh, bet for this um, course. That she couldn't see that it, it could suit anybody better. So I was just following Haley Simmons lead. So I can't really. <laughs> I, I should play her wheeler. But yeah, yeah, I was. But so I was just adding to what she was saying. Um, but yeah, Haley um, said that a course like that, you know, very flat, um, kind of thirty kilometers uh, long just suits someone who's got an engine like uh, Ellen van Dijk. And that's kind of... Annemiek van Floyten actually said that it wasn't a course that really suited her. I mean, she still obviously uh, came third, but... um, And within 30 seconds, which is, you know, incredibly 
uh, impressive as we come to expect from Van Floyten. But um, yeah, it, it was totally flat. It didn't have that undulating uh, quality which suits someone like what would have suited Anna van der Breggen if she had done it or, or Annemiek uh, van Floyten. I mean, it was it was a very similar course to the world uh, to the European uh, Championship in Trento couple of weeks ago a bit a bit longer but it was also it was also pretty flat um and uh Royster won that 19 seconds ahead so there was there there was a bit of a a bit of a shift there over the last uh, couple of weeks but van dyke seems to have been getting stronger and stronger um and obviously won that european road race title as well probably took a lot of confidence from that and somebody pointed out in the press conference she won't be wearing her team jersey at all next year will she Time trials are mm, to invest in decent um, white washing powder. That's what she said, exactly. That's what she said, yeah. It's a nice dilemma to be in, isn't it? To have, rather. Not bad at all. But yeah, it was, um, you know, um, Rouser, well, we'll hear a bit more from her later on. She's quite a personality as well as being a, a very talented rider, stepping up to SD Works next year. I was watching her in the time trial. I mean, it was a course, certainly, that, that suited. Uh, a powerful ruler like Ellen Van Dyke, but Rooster's in that category too. And watching her time trial position, um, she's got a very good time trial position uh, to me anyway. I'm not no expert on aerodynamics, but she's got a very flat back, hasn't she? And um, yeah, her progress this year has been quite quite something to see. Yet another um, graduate of the the Bigla team, which you know we've I've said already this year that had that team been able to stay together somehow what a season they would have had because mm. so many of their riders have just done so well this year unless it's a case of if you know going to other teams and and finding your place at, at another team of course no i guess it, we've seen like with the dutch team at the olympics you, you might have all the best champions it doesn't mean that you can necessarily uh work together perfectly but there, i mean there was a few other kind of interesting stories in the Top ten, the top twenty. Um, you mentioned in your news roundup all about Amber Neben, um, who finished fourth. But she was actually, obviously, fourth is just off the podium. But she was actually quite away behind, wasn't she? She was kind of one minute twenty four behind, I think, um, from first place. So she was a little bit distant. But yeah, she had an interesting recovery from uh, being. I think she was hit by a car in training only five weeks ago and, and breaking her hip in three um, places she had she couldn't mm. walk afterwards it sounded absolutely horrific yeah i spoke to her afterwards and you know at the time she that she i think that was her these were her 17th world championships and wow. as you say orla she couldn't walk and uh you know her immediate thought and, and her coach's immediate thought was the world championships would not be possible um but she she kind of took it and to use the old cliche one day at a time and got back on her bike and she she mentioned you know because you would have thought that that five weeks ago would have been a really important training block for these world championships so not only recovering from the injury but missing that essential period of training i, I would have thought would have counted against her but she said that the, the training, the preparation she's done is so deep that that was sort of secondary to just getting back fit again. And as soon as she, well, she felt herself making little progress each day. And so it began to seem possible that she would uh, come over and take part in the World Championships. And yeah, she seems to, uh, you know, she, she had an interesting line at the end when she was asked whether she felt the pain in her pelvis during the ride. 
and she said no she didn't feel it at all but um but she knew that she wouldn't feel it during the race because something takes over you know that that there was no way that that was going to be a factor in her performance and she's she's not riding in the the mixed time trial wednesday she she pulled out of that quite early because she didn't want to let other people down but she was just somebody who despite finishing fourth which is the worst position possible was just really delighted to have made it at all and to be able to perform as well as she did so I'm just laughing to myself for somebody to say over the course of a time trial, which must be one of the most brutal disciplines you can put yourself through, to say, I knew I wasn't going to feel pain because I wouldn't let it. I mean, what? What? These it people are on another planet. It was a decision. I know, but psychologically, <laughs> that's it, though. They are just on another plane altogether. That's just insane. It's ins- I mean, the fact that she's even back on a bike, the fact that she's even not making a cup of tea after five weeks, breaking her pelvis in three places, never mind back on a bike, never mind doing the world championships never mind finishing in fourth I mean it's hard to see with the top three at that we 46. had that she could have been at 46 <laughs> I'm exhausted yeah. thinking about every single part of that equation but I mean it's hard to see that she could have challenged really for a medal given the top three mm. that we had um, but sweet mother of mercy that's just that's just <laughs> next level everything isn't it I guess she had to go for. I mean, she Amber Neven is is totally a time trial specialist. I mean, we we really rarely see her at any other time in the year, do don't we? Apart from like kind of the Olympics and and at the World Champs, that it works for. Obviously, she's a two time um, time trial world champion uh, at the time trial, uh, so it obviously works for her. It's intriguing to to see how long she can go for because I think she has paired her cycling right down in recent years. So she is just specialising on on the time trials and doing very little else outside of that. But yeah, it'll be intriguing. Will she be still going in uh, in in three years in, in Paris at the Olympics? And will she still be going after that, uh, after that, after the next cycle? Of all people, you wouldn't be that massively surprised, but... Yeah, incredible. But there's... The talk uh, yet. <laughs> I've still got, we've still got a while to get, get into it, haven't we? <laughs> If anything, um, but also uh, another remarkable top ten uh, for Joss Loudon, um, who got finished in eighth uh, place and has got her hour record uh, coming up at the end of September, which is um, doing it a day before her partner, I think fiance even Dan Bigham is is also doing it. I don't know about um, that as a kind of an. E- couples evening um with joss and dan just on the rollers um but yeah let's let's you spoke to her richard so let's hear from her now we had a, a bit on the virtual podium there um yeah. how, how how do you look at your ride today i mean i've had a yeah it's been a great day uh sort of time trialists are notorious at being able to like find negatives in one of their rides but um yeah i can find things that i could have done better but all in all i'm quite happy and it's my first world's individual time trial so to be sort of in the mix, uh, like in the, I don't know, I think I was top 10, but top whatever it was, like, yeah, I'm quite pleased with how it's gone today. Is that a course that you like, pan flat? Um, I mean, I'm not sort of naturally the, the like, the, the most powerful rider, but um, I quite like um, a flat course in terms of being able to get into, like, a nice rhythm. There's certainly, like, some long straights where you can just sort of really get into, like, that super aero position and just kind of concentrate on that, but... Um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. <laughs> you feel you're on course for the our record attempt as well? 
<laughs> there were moments when I thought, God, if you're finding these like few minute intervals, like like hard work, then just think about the hour. <laughs> um, very different, actually. Uh, I don't know, really. We'll see. I think, yeah, form's not bad, and I'm hoping that um, sort of as this week goes on, I'm sort of gonna like peek into it. So the road race as well. You know, we saw you at Barassi Pale, which is a similar kind of circuit, right? Very well. Do you do you fancy that as well? Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure what the uh, the team strategy is going to be yet, and, but I'm kind of very happy to go out and work for um, for a result for the team. Um, I'm not like you know naturally I'm not going to like necessarily finish it off in the best way if it comes down to a sprint. But um, I should be strong on a course like that, especially if it's got some kickers, some hills. Um, like my endurance is pretty good at the moment, so I think I can probably be pretty useful. Yeah. Team time trial first, though. <laughs> the time on my time trial bike's been pretty useful, actually. Just time in position is good. Um, my position on my time trial bike to my road bike is pretty like pretty similar. Just it, it's sort of a bit more, sort of a little bit more head down uh, on the track bike. But yeah, it's it's pretty similar, and um, I think just. So overall, you're just looking for that sort of level of cardiovascular fitness and like physiologically being in a really good place. And so, um, yeah, like I say, I think I'm not quite quite where I was hoping to be, but I don't think I'm a million miles away. So hopefully, it's enough. <laughs> it's just going to be sort of good good blocks of rest and um, sort of yeah, just good preparation for it. Uh, like sort of enjoying ourselves out here and the racing. Yeah, I mean, coming to Worlds and if you have a nice time, I think being happy and in a good place is worth a lot of what's. <laughs> but daunted, you kind of start to think, God, that's quite like a big statement. Like when you go and sort of like for an hour, like a world record, you're sort of saying I'm better than any other female that's gone before me that's tried that. And it's kind of sometimes you think, really, is that really something that I want to, like in a statement that I want to make? But like my style is more to kind of slip under the radar and just go and do things quietly. Uh, <laughs> and then afterwards go, oh, that was really good. But um you kind of realise that people want to see it because it's exciting and it's a good thing for women cycling that it's, uh, you know, that it's happening because otherwise there's so much hype around the men doing it but it's not really enough about the women so I'm hoping that it will make other women like to I mean, if you put like Ellen, send her around an hour record, it'd be amazing. <laughs> so hopefully it will spark some the end of September. No, no, give me, give me a moment with it first, if I get it. Shoot, shoot at the du peloton, cycling podcast, team car, the back of the pack, please. That's Seb Piquet, the voice of Radio Tour, and this is Lionel to tell you that this episode is sponsored by Noom. To find out more, go to noom.com cycle. It won't surprise you to hear that I've never dieted or taken a particularly structured approach to weight loss. I've always relied on just exercising more, which of course is only one side of the healthy living equation. Whether it's been lockdown or just my increasing age, I've found it harder to shift the unwanted kilos lately, and so when Noom approached us, I was really curious to see if it could work for me. It's still early days, as I speak I'm on my 12th day using the app, but I've been gradually losing weight since the start, and some of the new habits I'm forming are starting to take hold. Noom is an app on your phone and it's a psychology-based approach to weight loss, so it's not just calorie counting, and so far I've found it's not a case of denying myself the things I like, it's just training me to eat and drink them in moderation. And using the app in itself is becoming a good habit. Every day I weigh in and log my meals, and it's steering me away from the calorie-dense red foods towards healthier green foods. To be honest, we probably all know what we should be doing, eating more fruit and vegetables, swapping sweet potatoes for regular ones, and eating brown rice instead of white and so on. But what Noom does is give a guiding hand and it helps you keep a record of what you're actually eating. 
and exercise gives you more calories to play with too so every time i ride my bike or go for a run i'm adding to my daily allowance and i'm finding that really motivating it's helping me get out of the door the relationship between work and reward really works for me it's just that i'm rewarding myself without losing sight of the big picture so instead of using uh, the fact that i've been for a bike ride as an excuse to overindulge i'm keeping an eye on what i'm treating myself with I like how easy it is to log my meals on Noom and my exercise and see what my calorie allowance each day is. Most of it's been really simple. I've just got away from the boom and bust of denying myself certain foods for a week or a month and hopefully I'm embedding some more sustainable habits that will last for the longer term. I can still have a beer or a steak or anything else I like, I just need to make sure that over the course of a week I'm striking the right balance. Well, enough of the sale, I can hear you shout. What about the numbers? Well, I started using Noom 12 days ago and I weighed in at 90.4 kilos. And this morning I stepped on the scales and it said 84.9. That's a loss of 5.5 kilograms or 12 pounds if you prefer. Not just that, I feel lighter on my toes when I'm running and better on the bike. And so I'm going to stick with it. If you want to give Noom a go, sign up for a trial at noom.com cycle and lose the weight you want to lose for good. That's noom.com slash cycle. Yes, it's cryptic criterium. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Woo. Yeah, I can like your enthusiasm. I, th- I think you guys are both looking kind of very co- focused today. Nervous. I have to say. Nervous. I can see Orla's competitive juices flowing. Oh, um, <laughs> God. Her, 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 <laughs> Put it away, Orla, for her, God's sake. It's early. Her eyes have narrowed. She's taken on a different. <laughs> well, okay. This is my focus look. <laughs> well, okay. Um, it's hard to follow You're up on, totally on that. To be honest. Rose now. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring yeah. it on, Rose. I have to say, I did. Uh, I did actually look back. I can't remember what I said um, last month, but I think I might have incorrectly given all of the the lead in the overall I think we've got to go with consistency we just stick with that um I did go back and have a look I did you know uh, the the occasion in which uh, the fake Orla participated I did remove that because you know we did only find out after the fact that it wasn't actually you Orla that was participating in that particular one Sounded um, like her. That will was rather easily <laughs> pulled over the old eyeballs in that yeah. scenario. So it is Richard two all or two. So it's all to play for. How exciting! Richard Couldn't two have planned it better. Two, Ian Paisley none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, this I'm going to say this isn't my best, but okay. Good luck. Um, okay. When the police ring fence off an area covered in delicious meaty Italian sauce. Oh, something really. Um... Um, so you know, like when the police, they're like they something off an Oh, I was thinking kettle. I was kettle. For oh, I see, like kettling. Oh, yeah, that's oh. true. I was thrown that through me. Oh, oh whatever, wow. whatever, Richard, a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, I feel a bit like Annemiek van Vluten yesterday where I can see how much it means to Orla and therefore I'm happy for her. <laughs> I see. Very gracious. Don't, don't try was, to win was, on patronisation, That was pretty much, pretty much what van Vluten said. She came into the press conference eating out of her Tupperware um, plastic container and that seemed to be something that was uh, preoccupying more than 
you know, being at the press conference, understandably so, because she'll be thinking about the road race, of course. But she did uh, say uh, she did say she could see how much it meant to, which was very nice, actually. She could see how much it meant to Ellen Van Dyke. Yeah, she was being nice. You're trying to be patronising. No, not at all. I feel exactly <laughs> the same. You're trying to pretend I'm, that you I'm, weren't I'm, in it to win I'm it. I'm literally channeling Annemiek van Vluten to... Uh, be very happy on your behalf, Orla, for that tr- terrific, <laughs> that terrific success. Well done. You, do, you just need to tell your face, Richard, to, to do that as well. Nobody That's can see my face. Your voice. <laughs> yeah, or your voice. I'm really happy. Now let's move on, shall we? Yeah, I mean, uh, Orla did make a uh, an old school loser sign on her forehead uh, briefly there. Yeah, so she's not. I'm be... a gracious loser. <laughs> she's she's yeah. not a gracious winner. <laughs> Gracious winner, I'm just a winner. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Okay, so Orla does officially take the lead. So Richard, you're, I think you've kind of slipped behind a little bit, but you know we shall it's see. Long, we shall it's see. It's a long season. But maybe uh, you know, like and like you said, maybe you're focusing on on the next month. And I've got my Tupperware this year. I'm, I'm you I'm keep your Tupperware. I'll keep the rainbow up. bands. I'm yeah, stocking love. up for next week. All right, sweet cheeks. Feeding my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, this is a perfect time for us to also um, put our eyes on next week or this week and the road race at the World Championships, which could be very exciting. Um, Flanders 2021, obviously, it's not the kind of a, a Flandrian course. There's not so many hills that will be and climbs that are very familiar to um the general spectator, but it's a little bit like Brabant's appeal. But you're, you're actually going to go and, and go and ride the route this week, aren't you, Richard? So can you tell us a bit about what to what are you expecting from well, your ride no, this I, week? Well, I can't, not yet, because I haven't oh. ridden it yet. But um, well, it's no, you're right though. It's it's a kind of unfamiliar route. We heard from Joss Loudon at the end of the last part because as I was speaking to her, a memory flashed into my brain of of her riding very strongly in Brabant's appeal earlier this year, which obviously. Um, that's the race that that has been compared by many people to the world championship courses and you know it's it's missing a lot of the very familiar uh, climbs and places that we know from the tour of Flanders, which i think in a lot of cases is fa- for financial reasons but it also means that the world championship road race courses there, there's no sort of blueprint for them in a way um it's something completely new it's not uh, a version of the Tour of Flanders or really any other race that we know from that area so um, you know that makes it intriguing as the world championships often are we, we just th- there's no template there's no there are no precedents uh, from which to on which to base our predictions and our expectations so that makes it exciting and interesting and you know you look at the um, the, the teams and we, we obviously quite recently had the the Olympic road race uh, won by Anna Kiesenhofer, who is down to ride the road race. I imagine that she might find it quite difficult to sneak into an early move on uh, Sunday. But the scenario is completely different, isn't it? Because we're back to big, strong teams. Um, in Tokyo, the Dutch had five riders. Um, they've got 12 at the moment down for the road race on uh, Sunday and about... 10 potential winners among them uh, so it's a very different it's going to be a very very different kind of race and there are lots of potential winners a couple of episodes ago we heard from Lotte Kopecky didn't we Rose you spoke to her the Belgian rider who is a, a good sprinter and is in pretty good form and she's a, a favourite too but you do look at that Dutch team and think that's a very strong 
team to to for the other for the other nations to try and beat do they learn from their mistake of the olympic games that's a question i guess they've got to i mean they're not going to make the the same mistake again um but it always we always go into world championships or at least we have done the last couple of years haven't we um just wondering which card they're going to play and how and um What's, I guess, nice for a neutral coming off the back of the Olympic Games is we kind of just assume whatever card they play will work, you know, and that it's going to trump everyone else. And we know now that that's not necessarily the case. They'll know that's not the case. And that makes them slightly vulnerable, I guess. And they've got the likes of Lotta Kopecky. They've got the likes of Elisa Longo-Borghini, of uh, Emma Norsgaard. You know, there are some really, really strong contenders who are going to have entire teams behind them. Um, And once again, the Dutch will be... not necessarily split but they've so many cards to play which one do you play at what time and are you sure then that you're betting all on that one or do you still have a plan b and a plan c i think sometimes when it comes to these one day races and certainly something like the world championships where so much rests on it it can be an advantage to have just the one rider and you put everything in from the flag for that one rider and of course that's something um, that the Dutch have to navigate, which they've done very well in the past. But like I say, we just know that it's not a given, which is exciting. Yeah, I think with their having um, 12 riders, they ca- they can't really go wrong. So I think in the at the Olympics, the thing that went wrong is they didn't have that workhorse person. They didn't have, say, Ellen van Dyke would you know the, be the perfect person for that. They didn't have someone who was... Um, it's kind of less important to have uh, a leader that you've... Uh, arranged in advance but it's more important to have people who are going to be the workers that they definitely know they're going to be the workers for that race that's kind of in in many ways more important than knowing who your um your leader is and i think that with 12 riders like the 12 riders that they've got they they can't really go wrong with that i mean my pick out of those would be would be demi vollering because the course although it's loaded with climbing and, and all the climbs come kind of come towards the end very thick and fast, very undulating, um, hardly anything that, that is uh, any flat ground towards the end at all, um, apart from it being a little bit flatter right at the finish. So you need someone who's got a really fast finish. So Demi Vollering would probably be my pick. Who are you guys picking out as, as your favourites? Well, I'm actually going to pick Marlon Roser because um, I just as a sort of symmetry thing with the Europeans, you know, with Van Dyke second in the time trial, first in the road race here, Roser second in the time trial, first in the road race. Why not? She's 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 in form. Um, she those she'll be able to get over those those climbs, and she's such a strong rider that um, she's got a chance. I think I'm going to go Emma Norsgaard. Partly because Elisa Longo-Borghini has and she knows what she's talking about. So I'm uh, <laughs> going to go for, she's not that left field to pick, but why not? Emma Norsgaard for me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I know, Richard, you mentioned Lossie Kopecky, but um, my kind of wonder is how much, I, I know she does win lots of races, but I don't know how much of a kind of winning, uh, she's not that, uh, things often go wrong for her. Obviously, that's that is, a lot of that is luck, but, you know, some of it is kind of, um, tactical decisions or you know teamwork or that home pressure as well is going to be huge mm, yes i mean huge and i don't know if she's dealt with that level of pressure before yeah if she wins though uh will you two oh, still no. if you two will you two still say that she had a disappointing season i did <laughs> don't let me into that basket sorry sorry was i just you rose that was just rose on her own uh, yeah but i think all of us silent all of us silently agreeing. I'm, I'm not sure. Not. I'm just silent. 
<laughs> she she won the worlds, but look at all those other races that she that, that she, she could have won. <laughs> could have been so much better. She'll be disappointed all the same. <laughs> her poten- Well, I think all I'm saying is that her, you know, her potential for winning is is huge. It's totally a positive thing. I think that's thing. not what you were saying at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think once again you were saying that she doesn't win very much. <laughs> Sorry, Rose, I'm just doing a Richard and laying into you here. And yeah, I know. On. That's not fair. It's not I know. Fair. I'm gonna, there's going to be a cycling podcast T-shirt that comes out just saying... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm not even going to say anything more, actually. I don't even want to come up with a slogan. I was very close to coming up with a slogan there. That would have been a really, no, really bad. No, exactly. Band. That'll be, that'll be uh, your... We're, we're still working on the hapless chopper range. <laughs> not a hapless chopper. Oh, not a hapless chopper. Sorry. The cycling podcast Femina is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport, fuelled by science. Well, thank you very much to our long-time partners science in sport for sponsoring us and sponsoring the rest of the who cares about the rest of the cycling podcast family who cares nobody but they they do there's only one show in town rose no exactly but they but you know you should care about science in sport because they do sponsor the cycling podcast feminine which is why you get to hear our glorious uh voices and they uh give all of you wonderful listeners the wonderful opportunity to get 25 percent off all of your nutritional needs uh, at scienceinsport.com so you just go to scienceinsport.com and type in the code let's hear it loud and proud go Richard Over to SISCP25 oh for goodness sake <laughs> oh I don't know SISCP25 there we are SISCP25 I know everyone's begging for the earworm to come back and we'll, we will record a a special edition of that, but SASCP25, and you get 25% off scienceinsport.com. So thank you very much to them. Now, Richard, you're gonna you're gonna take us on a journey back in time and space, I believe. Now, but yep. it feels like a long, long time ago. It does feel like a long time ago, but it was an interesting race to be at the Ceratizit Challenge uh, by La Vuelta. Um, different format this year and like the Vuelta itself finished in Santiago de Compostela so on the morning of the final stage of the Vuelta I went off to take in the, the road race the final stage and it was a, a really exciting stage because there was a strong breakaway Anna van der Breggen was there, she's been a bit a bit um, below par though hasn't she not quite herself in recent weeks and um, Leah Thomas emerged from that breakaway and and almost held off to win the stage, was caught in about the last 50 metres. So we're going to hear from her in a moment. But somebody else who who confirmed her her form this year, someone we've obviously been talking about a lot in this episode, Marlon Rosser. I went and spoke to to her as well at the finish. She'd won the first stage. Um, Having got the, the days confused, she thought the race actually started the following day. So she shouldn't even have been racing on the day that she won. But we'll hear about that in a moment. Um, I mean, the the race itself has been going a few years and it's been a circuit race in Madrid and it's been over a couple of days. It's had a, a team time trial stage. It's been a, quite a strange event in a, in a lot of ways. And from what I could gather, um, this year's race, which on, on paper looked as if it had stepped up, um, organisationally, it left a lot to be desired, I believe. And the there were a lot of... Um, a lot of complaints about the the standard of the hotels, the quality of the organisation, last minute changes to timings and and routes and so on. 
So I think there was a lot, a lot going on there that needs to be properly looked at because it is a women's world tour event, and from what I could understand, it didn't really live up to that in in execution. So that's disappointing to hear. But given its proximity to the European Championships and the World Championships, there were a lot of good riders there. Um, Annemiek van Vleuten was the winner. There was a big movie star contingent there. It was interesting because the previous day. They'd been in the news at the Vuelta when Miguel Anca Lopez stepped off his bike and stopped the race, having started that stage third overall. They were kind of at the centre of this of this storm, uh, Movistar team, uh, with their men's team. Here in uh, Santiago de Compostela with their women's team, they enjoyed yet more success. And it was interesting to see the, the, the hierarchy of Movistar all there uh, celebrating that. And you do get the impression that the women's team has been for them this year a source of huge satisfaction, pride and pleasure. And it's not just Van Vluten. I mean, you mentioned Emma Norsgaard, uh, Orla is your favourite for the, the road race. You know, they've, they've put a, together a very strong team and Leah Thomas is, has been part of that team. She's actually moving on to Trek Segafredo next year. But once she'd got her breath back at the finish of, of that final stage, having almost won it, she went and sat on a wall for a good five minutes and recovered. Uh, I grabbed a quick word with her, and here's what she said at the finish of, of the stage and about moving on uh, to a different team next year. You took a few minutes there, a few moments, to kind of get over that, the yeah. effort and the disappointment <laughs> as well, I suppose, because you must have thought um, you had a, a, a chance there at about you know, a few kilometres out. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're ahead of the race, there's an opportunity. And the Peloton has shown in the past few races, they've kind of struggled to get the timing right. So um, there's always a shot. Um, unfortunately, that last kilometer was really steep and really hard by that point. And, um, I definitely was one of the ones really pushing the brake the whole day. So I was really pleased with my effort and pleased to have the opportunity to really be aggressive and I think I played my cards the best that I could on the day and it didn't work out, but um, I'm proud of my effort. You were in a really strong break. I mean, when you attacked and went, was that just a feeling that it was the right time and were you surprised that nobody came with you? Um, I wasn't too surprised. Um, we weren't as cohesive as I would have expected us to be. Um, some of the riders didn't want to pull through and didn't want to pull through hard. They kind of seemed to be nervous and saving themselves. And um, I knew that... Valkar would want to sprint. I knew that there were teams who weren't in the break and I knew that people had been working behind and that we weren't going to last. So I figured the best bet was to attack and somebody came with me. Actually, I think it would have been better um, to be able to work together on the downhill, but it didn't happen and, and I'm pleased with how the rest. How much did you know about that finish and how tough that climb was? I knew it went up. I wasn't expecting it to be as steep, even though it like had said it was steep. It was definitely steeper than I expected. It could have just been I was really tired at that point too, so everything looks like a mountain, but um, I pushed as hard as I could, and who was it? Elisa and Kopecky went flying by, and I was like, well, that's that, so. But it's been, a, a, I guess, a good few days for you and, and the team. You rode well in the time trial as well, didn't you? You must be pleased with your form. Definitely. I had felt I'd taken a break after Olympics and was kind of easing back into things and that time trial was the first time I really felt that wow my legs are, are coming back around and um, the goal is to have them be ready for world so I'm happy with my form now and I hope I can continue to keep uh, training and improving and you know like I'm new enough still that there's always things to work on and improve and I think any great rider would probably say the same thing but um, I look forward I really enjoy taking each race and, and taking lessons from it so I have 
a lot more racing coming up in this next month, and so I look forward to trying to improve. And is your Spanish team a big Spanish race? I guess it was important for you as a team to perform well here as well. Definitely. I mean, I think we put on a really good performance. I had kind of missed the break the first day. I didn't um, go with the right moves. And as a team, we had to work really hard. So to come back and have a good time trial and then Anamik put on a show yesterday and to be able to be aggressive and still kind of dictate the race today is, is pretty special. And finally, Leah, you're moving on again next year, but what have you learned from, from this year, particularly uh, from Anamit Van Vluten? Um, A couple things. One is she is always super prepared, but in a way that it's still easygoing and laid back. And so kind of learning how to find that balance, I think is something that I will take away from, from watching her. Also like really learning how to defend the GC and how to like protect a, a real leader. Like on Bigla, we were all kind of like, we had kind of like the fifth best rider. And so we got to just be aggressive and had the numbers when things got hard. And, and this is a totally different role. So um, I'm really grateful to have had this opportunity on Movistar. That was Leah Thomas. And we'll hear more from her in a moment or two. But I also spoke to Marlon Rosser, who'd won that first stage and would go on, of course, to win the European time trial title and finish second the world title on Monday. I should explain the context of this is when I introduced myself, she said that she listens to the podcast and was most upset that we never talked about her. We got off on a, on, on a really uh, strong footing there. Um, that was that was an excellent start to things, but um, we recovered. And here's what she had to say at the end of the race and as she looked ahead to the big targets to come. If you can bring yourself to talk to me, I'll get over the disappointment of being ignored by us um you haven't been but you've obviously not been listening to the right episodes um but you have been in great form haven't you the last few weeks and and here in in spain as well yeah actually i think i i really developed this very very nice shape in the last weeks i'm still quite new in the sport and now we know what works out for me apparently so i think i'm in better form than i was for olympic games or something right now so I, I need some hard races, I guess. Is that what you're learning? I mean, is that what you think you've just kind of stumbled upon? Yes, I think. I, but I think I need some more um, empiric data still over the next years. Yeah. And then if you're smart, we will make it to the point at some time, yeah. More racing. Um, I, I read that you came here and you, you actually thought you had an extra day before the race started what do you put that down to is that just not reading the race book properly or? um yeah i was a lot of things going on i was at Simic ladies ladies tour and then i had two days of uh, school and i just had my race program from the beginning like of planning of the season and they was written to third to fifth so i i just had the third in my head and then i when the, in the group chat was like tomorrow's stage announced i was like what tomorrow's stage <laughs> But then it was okay. <laughs> it was okay because then you went and won it. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't never expect that. Was really, I just had such good legs. Never in my life I had that good legs. That's maybe the secret. Maybe the team will uh, will, will will give you the wrong the wrong dates for races. <laughs> yeah, maybe or just maybe doing something else was nice to uh, see other people and to do something else in between was good for my head. So. Yeah. But also, I mean, you said you wanted an extra rest day. Have you, do you feel a kind of fatigue as well? And, and so is your form surprising you? Now, yeah, now I'm. I mean, now I'm super tired, but still, like I think if you once have that form, legs are still strong, but you just cannot peak that much. But uh, for sure, now a, a good uh, rest will work out. Well, I guess the worlds are your next big aim, are they? Yeah, for sure. But now I go to European Championships, and I think also there I have, I have a very good chance to to do 
good result, but then for sure the the ITT in the Worlds is my big goal. How much do you know about the course there? I know it perfectly. I was already twice there, and yeah, it's on my 30th birthday. You get definitely got the right day. Yeah, so I I really aim to go for gold there. Yeah. Oh, that would be a great a great story, wouldn't it? On on your 30th birthday. Yeah, absolutely. And you must think you've got a good chance. Yes, I think um, as I am in that shape and the course really suits me. The only thing is the first part is a little bit technical. Go out of Noge, this village. Uh, but then I really think with this wind and these straight flat roads, I, it's my terrain. And what are you studying at school? I just started some uh, sport nutrition uh, thing. Okay. And is that a course, like a part-time course that you're able to do? Yes. alongside the, 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 the cycling career yes it's it's if you have already an education you either physiotherapist or medical doctor or something you can do it and besides your work and I guess it's a very useful one as well yes I, I th- I, it's first it's useful and secondly it's something for my head because sometimes I think it's good to not uh, miss out doing something for your head so it's just some fun and just finally, big new challenge for you next year, moving to a, a new team. How much are you looking forward to that? Yes, um, I think it's uh, the best thing that can happen to me. I really um, I really enjoy uh, going there and I think, yeah, but also I was happy with my team here. It was a uh, big fun. Also, I really uh, have a nice company here, but I think it, it fits to the plan I have in my cycling career. So, yeah. It'll be different, won't it? Because it's a team with... Um, lots of very strong riders, but a team also going through a bit of transition maybe this year as well. Yeah, there's big changes coming in that team, but I think when I see the roster for next year, we will be also very, very strong. Well, that was Marlon Rooser, um, who we will be talking about. We'll, we'll make, we'll, we'll try and talk about her every episode. How's that? <laughs> now that to try and make, make and if not, we just like have to cough her name, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, at some point. Yeah, I like it'll, how it'll you're be, you're retaining your journalistic objectivity here, yeah, Richard. A little might be, bit of pressure might, is enough might, to make you might, bend. It might be subliminal. Uh, you might have to play the episode backwards to hear her name, but it will be there in every episode. I was just going to say that the, the the riders that listen to the uh, our show do very well, don't they? Oh, well, well, I know that only go. because we've got Annemiek van Floyten <laughs> and, and Marlon Rousa. The, the riders. So, that- so if we took. How many did we? How many races did we win as a podcast this year? An awful lot. Tons. Slight, the riders, tenuous, but yeah, the riders who yeah. don't listen will not know. However, that it's a good omen to listen to the yes. show. But anyway, Very I spoke to a few. I spoke to a few other riders at, at the finish. Um, one of them, Ashley Moolman, who recently uh, did a life in the peloton episode with Mitch Docker, where she confirmed next year will be her final season. She's going to retire at the end of next year, but still has some pretty big goals uh, next year. Um, I should say as well that Mitch Docker's episode this week of Life in the Peloton, he's in conversation with Hannah Barnes, who is moving on from Canyon Shram to Uno X for next year. So that's an interesting listen as well. If you want to catch up with that, that's on released on the normal Cycling Podcast feed. But we heard from Leah Thomas, didn't we? The uh, movie star writer, soon-to-be Trek Segafredo writer, who's having a strong end of year as well. And, well, we put some of her, our questions to her to get to know her a little bit better uh, in our the revived questions and feminine answers feature. If you could only win one race, which would it be? I would want to win Strada Bianchi. Why did you want to be a professional cyclist? 
I actually never wanted to be a professional cyclist. Um, growing up, it wasn't something that I aspired to. Um, I had hopes of doing more volunteer-like work, and it wasn't till later when I um, started riding that I fell in love with cycling and knew that that teaching and other um, aspirations I have could wait until later. Who was your cycling hero growing up? I didn't have a cycling hero growing up. I didn't even watch cycling. I was a gymnast and was obsessed with gymnastics as a little girl and as a teenager. And my idol um, in the gymnastics world was a famous gymnast named Carly Patterson. When did you get your big break in cycling? I'd say I got my big break, my first big break in cycling um, at the 2015 National Championships in the time trial. It was, I was a complete amateur and I placed sixth, I believe. And that got me my per first professional contract in the US. And then I think my second big break was um, when Big La Pro Cycling agreed to sign me and I was able to come race in Europe full time. What would your perfect day on the bike be? The most perfect day on the bike for me would be to go for a really long ride, preferably in a pretty remote place um, with beautiful views, um, fair amount of climbing and uh, a cute little town where you can get some good snacks. And I have to have friends with me as well. What was the last book you read? Um, a book called Small Great Things. What would be your dream job if you weren't a cyclist? My dream job if I weren't a cyclist would to be a teacher. How many languages can you speak? I can speak two languages, English and Spanish. Morning person or night person? I am a morning person. What's your favorite sport except for cycling? My favorite sport is gymnastics, if it's not cycling. Nickname? My nickname is Darth Leia. Most used app? Um, my most used app is probably Google Maps and secondly, Instagram. Who is the most famous person you've met? Uh, the most famous person I've ever met is President Obama. What's the best advice you've ever been given? That you have to be satisfied with your personal best effort. Well, thanks to Leah Thomas for reviving the question and feminine answers uh, feature for us. Always good to hear a little bit more about the riders, get to know them a little bit better. But uh, we'll be doing, I mean, we, we've gone on long enough right now, but we're going to be back uh, in a week's time, end of next week, to be talking about the road race. Orly, you're going to be giving us um, the view from Bath. Richard, you're going to be giving us Not the view from, no, from Bath. The bath, <laughs> from bubble bath. bath. Um, and <laughs> Richard's going to be giving us the view I'll, from Flanders through his... I'll be there. I'll be there. We'll be looking ahead to Paris yeah. Bay as well, won't we? Um, oh, yeah, of course. Well, that, that's a, yeah. a very exciting date in the calendar. Well, I can't believe we just skipped past the fact that Leah Thomas has met uh, President Obama. I mean... Uh, well, unfortunately, everyone, the, Richard. The questions are, like the, not, yeah, doesn't the, even the, register. The, the questions or of feminine answers. Do you not get the party format, right for his birthday? The, the questions of feminine answers format doesn't really um, lend itself to follow up questions, does it? But yeah. uh, we'll have to follow no, up on that at some point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, isn't it just, uh, you know, wasn't Cycling Podcast listed on his favourite podcast of the year? That You know, the list that he puts out every year of his favourite books and 
TV shows. I'm sure Cycling Podcast was on there. Mm, no missed doubt. That. That's, missed that. That's the quickest way for our invite. But yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to um, speaking to you both next week and uh, plenty to look forward to in the racing season as well so for can, now can I just all can, I, I, add oh. a, can I add a comment oh. Rose, just just one dear, thing dear I listener, mean, he's putting his finger in the air like he's at primary school I think well this is no really but cute. You, you mentioned earlier <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you Lizzie and Lionel would be on the road at the women's tour we should say that's for daily yes. episodes so as we've done yes, the last few editions that. of that race there'll be nightly episodes from the women's tour in the week following Pyru Bay. So I guess mm. in the first episode you'll be looking back a bit on Pyru Bay, but the, the women's tour will be covered with nightly episodes. Which well, you I'm can't really say what we're going to be doing, to, Richard. Oh, I'm looking forward to listening you know? and finding out. Got to relinquish control you know of that one this year. Yeah. <laughs> I know you guys won't be able to join me on a lovely little trip around Southend and Atherston, Bicester. Banbury, all of the, you know. Miss it. You guys have to just settle for like, yes. We'll be travelling with you vicariously. Yes, exactly. Well, we'll we'll try and give uh, every all of our listeners uh, as much of a um, in the car view as as we'll be getting, or or on the bike, uh, because Lizzie Banks is going to be riding um, a bit of the route every day. So that'll be even better and she'll be oh I'm just now I'm just signing Lizzie up to things that she probably doesn't want to do but um, <laughs> probably getting a be seeing plenty of content from uh, us on the road anyway but for now um, uh, well I'll be talking to you next week but enjoy uh, the road race enjoy the world champs Richard enjoy watching the road race from a slightly further location from Flanders Orla um, and speak to you next week thank you Orla Yeah, thank you both. See you next week, kids. Enjoy. And thank you, Richard. Thank you. Thank you.